So you heard that, right? Bonnie uh, offered you an, uh, an opportunity just to help her to remember those things. What, an oppor- what a way just to express our next steps. I actually shared last, last week a challenge that we started last Sunday. We're calling it the 90-Day Next Step Challenge. So that takes us from now up until Easter. And, and several of you filled out that you were taking that challenge, and I, I, I promise you I've been praying for you this week, and I will continue to do so, and some of you may pick that up. So you received a card and you came in, and this card was just, just a reminder of what that is, a 90-day next step challenge, and if, maybe you didn't pick it up last week, you'll start this week. But I, this is for you. This isn't to turn in. This is on the back of this to take and say, okay, what are some next steps, maybe one at a time, and as you and God pray through these and you work through, I can't wait to see what God's going to do over the next 90 days as we as a church really commit to taking the next steps that he has before us. But Bonnie gave me an idea. I'd love to hear your stories during these 90 days as God's telling you things. And I promise you're not going to be posted public unless, unless you get permission. We did have Bonnie's permission. So it, it, but I would love to hear your stories. So uh, for those of you who can, if you'll notice at the bottom, if you'll go on your Facebook page and just do hashtag next steps 90, then that will be a way for us as a church to share those. And then we may share some of those in public. For those of you who never heard of Facebook or you still call it the Facebook, all of you people, all right? There is such a thing as paper and pen. You're welcome to write those down. And there's even these little things called stamps. You're welcome to mail me one, all right? But I would love to hear your stories of what God's doing in these 90 days. So please share those with us. And and maybe we'll be able to share them at church. Maybe we'll just pray together and and whatever. But I hope that you will take that opportunity to do that. So I I do want to say thank you for being a part of this journey. We've been on this journey called uh, 2017 Calvary's Next Steps. And, and this, you're, you see these chairs and you'll see it throughout the day, but this particular one, I want to just represent even what Bonnie shared with us, that each of us are on a journey, okay? We're at different parts of that journey. And I believe God has a purpose and a reason for your life. And in that purpose, there is a next step. So this chair represents, wow, this is great. I think you guys got it made during the church service. Anyway, this, ne- this chair represents each of us individually and those next steps and how that works in our lives and what God wants us to do. And so that, that's where we're kind of going with this today. But this has been a journey. And I appreciate those of you who have been with us the last three weeks. Next Sunday, we go back to our normal service times, 845 and 1030. We, we are, we, we're looking forward to what God's going to do. Our life groups start up next week. A lot of things happen. But this has been a very important journey. And actually, we, we, we culminate the journey tonight. For we have our annual administration meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. I hope you all will be here. But members and regular attenders, please especially be here. For one, we look back at the last year, and we report and we review, and we look forward to some things we're going to do this next year. But I also want to take this journey we've been on, and I'm going to bring it to a conclusion tonight. And so I hope that, uh, that you'll be back and, and join us at 5 o'clock. And if for no other reason, at the end, we're having desserts, okay? So <laughs> we, we've got everything tonight. It's a, it's a full smorgasbord of events. But please join us tonight as we kind of bring this journey to a conclusion. But as we talk about this, this being our next step, today, here's the point, that I, the idea, or the thought that I want us to get across, and that's this. Being the perfect body. Now, I didn't say how to have the perfect body, okay? Because obviously I could, I could help you with that, right? I, I've got, I could be the, spe- I'm just joking, all right? That here's, <laughs> seriously, I'm just joking, okay? We're not talking about having, we're talking about being the perfect body and what that looks like. Before we get there, let's review a verse that has been kind of our uh, theme for the last couple of weeks. Many of you are trying to commit this verse to memory, so I'd encourage you to say it with me. Joshua 1.9, let's all say it together. Be strong and courageous, 
do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a great verse to just keep in the back of your mind often throughout the day. This journey, this, one, this, this journey we're on, this next steps, it's going to take courage. It's going to take uh, us something that we don't have sometimes to be able to take that next step. We're going to need his help in this journey. But I, I just want to encourage you and remind you of what God is doing. So as we look forward the next 90 days, the next years in this journey of Calvary, what does that look like? But here's what I want to get us across today is that we all do have this journey. We are on this, this path and we have this work together. But here's what I want us to, as we talk about the journey for you personally, the journey of, of Calvary and what Calvary uh, God has in mind for us this year and beyond, here's something that you've got to keep in mind, and this becomes what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about taking our next steps, but we're taking our next steps together. All right, so let me just illustrate this if we can. Here's your journey, but understand, God never intended us to take that journey alone. God has, has enabled us, has made it possible. In fact, he has, he has considered, even commanded us to understand that our journey was not meant to be a solo event. You were never called to be a Lone Ranger Christian. It wasn't about doing this and getting it all on your own. Yes, I have God. The Holy Spirit's inside of me. I understand that. But he also has made it very clear that this journey was supposed to be made together with others in our life. We, we are to stand. Here's what God wants you to understand, that you can do this journey, but you will never, I promise you, biblically speaking, you will never reach the full potential and the fulfillment that God has for your life if you try to do this alone. If you try to do this on your own, you will miss what, because God has designed for us as God's people to come alongside each other so that we are not just doing this journey alone. God has designed his people. God has designed the church to be this that will help us take this next journey, this next part of our journey. So we're talking about doing this journey together. With that thought in mind, I want to look at a verse, Ephesians chapter number one. You can follow me there in your Bibles. You'll see the verses on the screen. Some of them are on your outlines. As you, as you look, but I, I want to just kind of take this, the, the topic of the church, obviously, we're talking about this, Calvary, doing this together, the church, that's a huge topic in the New Testament. You're going to see that, that word used, and it's referenced, and it's, it's basically most of the Bible, the New Testament is written to churches, so it, the church is a huge topic in the New Testament. So we can't cover it all in, in a series, let alone one sermon, but I want to focus on one area. We're talking about this particular church, Calvary Baptist, what does this church have to look, to look forward to and to know what God has in mind for it to be? Ephesians chapter number 1, listen to this. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him, that's Christ, head over all things, notice, for the benefit of the church. Now look at this next phrase. And the church is his what? His body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. When you, when you see the word church in the New Testament, it's going to be seen in one of two ways. The church is, first of all, the church is a, a universal group of all believers all around the world. Everyone who is a follower of Christ would be part of, of the church at large. That is a part that, that you'll see in the New Testament. But most, the majority, well over 80% of the time when God speaks of a, the church in the New Testament, he's speaking about a local, visible 
body, a, a church that you could see, that you could go visit, that has an address, that has where people meet on a regular basis. Calvary Baptist is the church that God is speaking to. Now, in the book of Ephesians, Paul uses it in both ways. In some ways, he's talking about the church, everyone, but he's also speaking to a church at Ephesus. So he's using it in both understandings to help us know what the church is and what the church is to look like. So, just like some of you laughed when I said that I had the perfect body earlier, and by the way, I'm deeply hurt by that laughter, but anyway, I'll get over it, okay? Just as you laughed about that, some, probably in this room, would also laugh to ever think that a church, Calvary included, could ever be a perfect body. And some of you have good reason for that. You've had some people hurt you, mistreat you within, with, that are part of a church. And, and you've seen how the church is, it, it, in itself is, is just not perfect. And, and many of, and, and I've heard it, and I maybe even heard it from this, from this room, that people say, well, I love Jesus, I love Christ, but I just don't like his church. Let me tell you something. You've got to be careful with that phrase for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Jesus built his church, so this is, this is something he has designed. Jesus uh, also says that he loves his church. In fact, he says that the church is his bride. That always causes me to pause whenever I want to criticize the church because here's what I know as a husband. You can say a lot of stuff about me, okay, but you got to be real careful when you start talking about my bride. You start talking about her, and dude, those are fighting words. So think about this. Jesus says the church is his bride. So be careful how we criticize his church. It's, here's what we know. There will never be a perfect church in this world because it's an assembly of imperfect people. We are a, the church is the people here. And since not a one of us in this building are perfect, present company included, absolutely, there is no such thing as a perfect church. But look what Jesus said in this verse, and I want you to pull it out again. He said the church is made full and complete in Christ. He fills all. Do you understand? What we have is not only he, we are his bride, and we are his body, and all these things, but we are filled with Christ. We have this huge potential. He is working on us. Just like he's working on us individually to take our next steps, and none of us are going to ever be completely mature until we see Jesus, the same is with his church. He's working on us as a church to grow us, to build us. We should put a sign on our door and leave it there perpetually that says, it's a work in progress. Because that's what Calvary Baptist is. We are a work in progress. We are not perfect, and we never will be, but we are, we're taking steps. We're improving. We're, we're following God, and as his body, that's what we are called to do. So, what God wants us to see is how, what is our part in becoming or being the body that he wants us to be. Let's talk about that for a minute. That word body is such a familiar word. In the New Testament, it's one of the favorite words that refers to the church. So Calvary, I want to remind you of this. Those of you who are visiting today, you've come on a great day because some of you may have become delusioned about church or you've had problems with church. I want you to hear what God has intended for the church and what we as Calvary, we're not perfect and we've got a long way to go, but we're learning what church means and what God wants it to be. Here's what we understand. Being his body is, first of all, an analogy. It's a comparison. 
And the reason it is, is it's describing the function of the church. Please understand that. When he talks about his body being the church, so Calvary Baptist's body, he's talking about our function. What he's doing is he compares the way the human body works to the way the church is supposed to work and operate. So just take a look at your hands, your, your feet, your fingers. Look at that funny-looking person sitting next to you and understand that you are seeing a living example of how the church is supposed to function. We are a body. Each of us are separate parts. In fact, 1 Corinthians says this, Now you are, speaking of that church at Corinth, the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Within our physical body, there are thousands of moving parts, thousands of pieces. There's veins, and there's organs, and there's bones, and there's uh, arteries, and all these things. This, and all of that, and that's, that makes up the body. Even I found out this week, even your appendix does have a purpose. <laughs> you know, for years, people said, oh, the appendix, we can't figure out what it does, and so we kind of disrespect it, you know, just take it out, who cares? But they've actually found out that the appendix can be a positive part of your immune system. It actually takes and stores good bacteria and replenishes the body. So I'm sorry, appendix, it is this side, right? I'm sorry that I ever disrespected you because God has put it all. It's unique but it's important. It all has a reason. That's the picture. The church, every one of you as a part of this church, is unique and important and necessary. God has put you here for a reason. Romans puts it this way. Paul said, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You don't do this life in isolation. God has called you to be together with a body, and it's for a purpose. You have a reason, and the body has a reason in you. Not only do you have multiple parts that make up your body, but all those parts work together in this, this, this work of systems within your body. I mean, you have your circulatory system and the respiratory system and the, and the skeletal system and the immune system, and all the parts working in those systems make your body work, and it all is this one. And, and when one system is malfunctioning, the whole body feels it. When one part isn't working correctly, the whole body feels it. Do you see this analogy? You see the comparison? He's saying your bodies are a living example of what the church is supposed to be, as we all are together making a body that is supposed to be working in this unity, and, and all the parts together, God has this, this wonderful comparison for us. But here's what I want you to get. That picture of the body is more than a comparison. It truly is a reality as well. Here's what I want you to hear. Being his body describes the church's identity as well. There is something very real about what Jesus said. One of the most incredible truths of the Bible is this. God came to this world in the form of Jesus. God entered into our, into our space, into our world he physically came here in the person of Jesus Christ. This was God putting skin on when Jesus came into the world. He literally became one of us. The word that we use for this, it's called the incarnation. The incarnation of, God, of Jesus, God, putting on flesh. He incarnated himself to be among us, to dwell with us, to, to feel what we feel. Jesus became part of that. Now, that's great, except for the fact that after Jesus died and was buried and rose again, he also then left this world physically. In fact, his disciples in Acts 1 actually saw him leave. They were watching as he, he went off into the sky. He was alive, but he was no longer physically with them. So 
What does that mean? Does that mean God's presence is no longer here? God's presence was here in the body of Jesus Christ. So, his presence is still here in the body of Jesus Christ. But that body is now us. We are the, we are the ongoing incarnation of Jesus to this world. It's not just, you know, they might see Jesus in you. We are what people, the representative, we are what people think of Jesus. That's his church. We are his body. We are what makes up. That's the significance of being the body of Christ to a world who needs to know Christ, to a world who maybe has never met him, who has misgivings about him. We are his body. We are his hands and feet. Our identity is that of being the body of Christ, being the presence of God in this world. And that's that's what God has called us. So today, remembering that we're a body, Calvary, so that should show us how we function, how we work, but also we are his body. We are the identity of God in this world. Let's look at some things that we, we need to do as a body to be what God has, has called us to be. I'm going to ask you to think of three words, okay? In, out, and up. Would you say those with me? In, out, and up. One more time. In, out, up. I want to use those three words and help us understand that those, those three words, if we will remember those as a church, and remember how that, that, that affects what we are to be and who we are to be as a church. Reflecting, knowing we're his body. So as his body, what does that look like for us? This perfect body, how are we becoming that? What does he need for us to do? Here's the first thought. The church is made to have an inner strength. There's our word in. We are to, together, we are to be strengthening one another. When you hear the phrase, better together, Well, that's especially true within the church. God has designed us in this spiritual walk, in this spiritual journey, that there's something powerful when the body works together in unity and works together and and loves each other. There's something extremely powerful for that. But let me let you know this. Before that can happen, here's another very important attitude that we must understand. Philippians chapter number 2, look at this. The Bible says, do nothing... So church, body, listen to this, do nothing, circle that word, that's very powerful, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's the way the church together is supposed to operate. Inner strength is only works if we are considering others above ourselves. And that's so counterculture. Our culture tells us you got to look out for number one. You got to take care of yourself because nobody else is going to do it. You got to focus on you, make sure you. And God says, But in my body, I want to flip that. I want to show you that if you will do what I called you to do and you will care for others and you will put others first, and within that body, others then will put you first. And it's a beautiful symbiosis of relationship. God says that's where we find our strength but it has to come with that attitude. It seems almost like a contradiction. Oh, I need the church to grow, but the church really isn't about me. Yeah, that's exactly right. You need the church, but church isn't about you. Let me just encourage you. If you're looking for a church or you have been looking for a church or you're evaluating your current church and you're, you're looking at it as what will the church do for me and you're looking at what, what can it offer me, what will make me more happy or comfortable within my church, you're missing the point. Church isn't about what it will do for you. 
It's what can you as a part of that body do for the other members, putting their interests first. That's the attitude that we need to have. And, and Paul then strengthens that whole idea. In Ephesians chapter 4, listen to this. Instead, he said to the church in Ephesus, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Just as your spiritual walk matures and grows, he says the body of the church will mature and grow. Here's what you got to understand. The body matures as each member is maturing. So as you're taking your next steps, and wherever you're at in this, you're just, you're just taking steps, you're just now following Jesus, or you've been following him for 50 years. But every time you take a step and you are growing in maturity, you're making our church more mature. You as a part, your body, the part of the body that you are, as you mature, you make the church stronger. You strengthen the others around you as you are taking your steps. But also notice that each member matures as the body works together. So it's not just you maturing, and it's as you are doing your part, and he says it will build itself up as each part does its work. So church, as a function, we strengthen one another. We are here to help one another to grow, and that's what, God, that's what the church does. There's this inner strength. All right, so today, I want to I share some real practical things. So I hope that you'll, you'll listen. How, how does that work for us? Well, let me give you a first thought when we talk about this. If we're going to be stronger, better together, then we're going to have to be together. Does that make sense? It's kind of a no-brainer, right? If you're going to be better together, you're going to have to be together. That's why Hebrews makes it very clear about not forsaking the assembling, not forsaking, forsaking meeting together as some do, but, being, but, but making a commitment to be together because we need to encourage each other. We need to spur each other on. We need to, to rub off on each other, spiritually speaking. We need to be able to rub together so that we can then help others to grow. We, we need that. The church, in order to be better together, we have to be together. So that's why when we, when we come together as a church, that should be a priority commitment in our life as a church because we need this togetherness. Let me throw you another word, and we use this at Calvary, but at Calvary, our life groups are a practical way that we do just what we're talking about. Let me, let me change this, this dynamic a little bit. Here, here's, here's you and your, your journey. You're surrounded by people. But understand, this is, this is basically how we are right now. You're side by side, shoulder to shoulder. Fantastic. Okay? But that, that in, a, in a service like this can only go so far. The, the way that you're really going to be able to see together, seeing that, that change, is when these chairs begin to get close enough where you can do life together. That's what we talk about life groups. Now churches, all, a lot of churches do different things to make this happen. We just happen to believe that this is a great way, that what we call our life groups. When you're meeting in these groups, you, you come together, you do life together, you get, uh, you get closer in the sense of, of really listening to one another, you talk about the Bible together. One of the greatest things we do in life groups is when you take a sermon, like you're going to hear today, and you take it in your life group, and then you expound on it. And, and you don't just, you say, well, I heard all that. Well, that doesn't matter. What are you going to do with it? And as your group, you say, hey, I'm going to make this commitment. I'm going to apply it this way. This is what I learned from it. This is, this is the way we take what we do right here, and it becomes real life. 
and it becomes something that can truly change our lives. Here's what we know. The Bible make it very clear that the church, that first service, they had 3,000 people saved. They had 3,120 people on the second day of their, first, of their church. But they took that church, and they met in temple. They met in, a, in, in large gatherings. But the Bible also said that daily they met house to house. Now, you don't take 3,120 people and put them in a house. You can't even put them in a building for the most part. You take that group and you break it down into small. And their houses were not near as large as our houses. So we're talking, they took and they broke this church down into groups where they then did what God called them to do. That's what we're making. When we talk about groups, that's where this becomes the, the uh, workshop for making disciples. That's our, that's our goal here at Calvary. We believe our mission is to make disciples that make disciples by lead, leading people to follow Jesus by taking their next steps. Well, that happens here. That happens as you get real with other people and you let somebody hold you accountable and, and you let somebody help you take your next steps. We're talking about this is the disciple-making factory right here as you get into a group. You want to take your steps? You want to begin to grow? Then, then I challenge you. we got sign-ups right now. Next week, our group start is get into a group. And trust me, there are no perfect groups, just like there's no perfect church. Some weeks your groups may be messy. Some groups may, be, may have boring teachers. Who knows what's going on in the group? But here's what I got to understand is these groups are not just Bible studies. They're not just studying the Scriptures. That's important, but that's not it. And they're also not just relationship factories where you just get more friends. Both of those are important. But what we believe is these become the key to our discipleship. That when you go to a group, your key is I want to take a next step and I want to help someone else take their next step. And together we're going to grow in discipleship. How does this work? Well, there's a couple things. You've got to have, a, you've got to have an intentional leader Somebody leading the group that doesn't have all the answers, but they really want to see their, they love their group and they want to see them take next steps, and so they're going to do whatever they can to keep that in front of the group. But I promise you, no matter how great your leader is, unless you as a group member are participating, it's never going never to work for you. You have to be a part of the group. You have to be looking what your next steps are. You have to be listening. You have to be participating. You have to be faithful to be there so that, that you really can rub off both directions on one another. You also, as you're, as you're thinking about this, you also have to realize that you are there to help others. The leader is not the only person that should be helping others grow. You pouring into other people's lives and letting them pour into you and you be open. All of that works as the group, as the group participates. But let me add one other thing. This is a great group. But we believe if you're going to grow as a disciple at Calvary, you need to be in part of a group. We don't have enough chairs for everybody in the church here, do we? So what do we need to also need in groups? Is we need some people in the groups to turn around and to start to lead a group. And so now we have groups that are growing because we have, if we're going to have everybody in a group, then we've got to have more groups. And the only way we have more groups is if we have more leaders who care enough to want to see people discipled. So now we take one group, and we have somebody that leads, and we start another group, and that adds. And do you see the point? Some of you have been in group long enough. You need to start leading a group. We need more groups. We need people who are helping other people disciple, but we can only go, we, if you get a group over 15, it really changes into a, from a small group into a, a social gathering. So you, we got to keep them small, so we need leaders. Some of you, God, maybe this morning be saying, come on, that's you. You say, well, I don't know enough. Trust me, none of us know it all. But if God's called you and you've been leading, he would have you to lead. So now we've got multiple groups, and these groups continue to grow. We, do you understand, folks, this is how God has called us. One of the things that God has shown us as a church that we need to do is that we continue to grow, and small groups is part of the way to do that. One other question, if you read in that verse, he said, as each part did its work, 
the whole body began to grow. So let me ask you a question, Calvary members. Where are you currently serving the body of Christ? Where are you currently, practically, consistently serving the body? Now, some of you, you volunteer for an event here and there, and thank you. We're very appreciative for that. But since the church meets weekly, it will only stand to reason that each of us should probably have a weekly ministry, something that we're doing on a regular basis to help the church. We, maybe it's working with our kids, our teenagers, our music, our media, our greeters, maintenance. There, there's, there, the gamut is huge. Security, all these things. Where are you currently serving the body to help others grow outside of these groups? You understand, as each part does its work, the whole body matures. As you grow, the body grows, but you grow as you and all those around you are doing your part. What, what has God shown you that you too could do? Now, we talked about in, the next word was out. Let me give you the second thought about the church. The church is made to have an outward focus. We read earlier how our attitude has to be looking out for one another within the church. Well, that shouldn't just be within the church. As Christians, our attitude should be starting to look out to the needs around us, whether they're part of our church or not. Let me share with you a danger that a lot of churches get into. A lot of churches do this in some form or fashion fairly well. And, and, some, and our church does it, and, and, and we still need more groups, all that. But this becomes very, very helpful. We're growing. We're getting this inner strength. We're encouraging one another. We're spurring one another on. But then before long, we start thinking that this is what it's all about. And we start, we start just focusing on our church and this group. And we love our group, and it's comfortable, and we like being in there because we all like each other. Or we like most everybody in the group. You know, it's, it's that kind of an idea. And we're looking, and we like this, and we don't, and, and we're very, but do you understand? Here's what the group should look like. We're strengthening one another, but a group should be with an outward focus. Every group, every member, every part of our church should be having their chairs turned. For they understand that it's not just we are here to strengthen one another, and we'll do that. And I'm sorry for all the noise, but this is a great picture from my head. You understand that this is what church groups should look like. We are strengthening one another. We're arm in arm. But all the while, we're looking for those who still need Jesus. We're still looking how we can meet the needs of others in our world, in our community. That same verse we looked at yet earlier where it talked about how we're supposed to be looking at the interests of others. If you go down a few verses, listen to what he said. Do everything, church, without grumbling or arguing. Let's read that one again. I like that. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Wow, that's a wonderful preaching spot, but we'll keep going. So that you may become blameless and pure. Notice, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked nation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Yes, you are to be caring for the church and loving one another and strengthening and building each other up, but all the while that should be helping you shine brighter as a light into a dark world. Church, we are not here in this building for us. We are here to be challenged and encouraged to go out and to share with others that they, we have hope in Jesus Christ. We have to get out of our circles. We have to get out of our holy huddles 
and be willing to say that our job is, yes, to strengthen one another, but we're strengthening each other for a purpose. We're not just spiritual bodybuilders here. We're not just building it so we all look nice and strong. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to get stronger so we can do more for Jesus, so we can tell others about him, so that we can go out and make a difference in our community. we got to turn the chairs around and see what God has called us to do. I heard this quote from a businessman this week. He said, all organizations tend to become inward focused unless somebody, unless somebody helps them stay focused outward. Every business. He said all organizations, they get going and they get in their, their business, they get things moving, and they tend to become inner focus and they forget. It's the customers that we're trying to get to. You realize, church, we're to be here, we're to be strengthened, we're to be helping one another, but it's for the lost people that we're here. We're to be a light to those who need Jesus Christ. It's about sharing that light with others. Last week we read a description of the church, and I want to pull it back to your mind. Acts 2.47 at the end of that first church passage, he says this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I don't know if that grabbed you. It grabbed me last week. It's been, it's been in, in my head all week. What a dream for Calvary. I mentioned last week that let's take this and apply it this way. What if, if we had an everyday visible impact in our community? Every day there was someone's life being touched because of Calvary Baptist Church. That's the goal that we are making that kind of an impact in our community, and, and even with our people, and even our facilities. Uh, let me just share something with you. Those who may not know that, our gym, when we opened it up a, a few, couple years ago, one of the greatest things we ever did, because it not only gives us a gym, but do you understand that, that three to five nights every week, we have groups within the community coming and using our facility. We have people just, this becomes an open place for people in our community to know that they, they can come. And, and some of them are amazed, how much you charge? We're not asking for money, we're just opening it up to you. That even the facilities that we have be used on a daily basis. But here's something else the Lord impressed upon me this week, and I want to share it with you. This is kind of a, a one of those, what they call them, BHAG goals, big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Here's something that I want to see. What if God were to use Calvary to see a person saved every day in this community? 365 people come to know Jesus and baptized because of what Calvary did in the next year. Is that possible? I think so. I think if he did it once, he could do it again. I think if he's the same power that was there, he could do it again for us. Now, God's still working. We're still putting things in place. I get all that. So, so here's, here's what I'm praying that God does this year for us, that we, we see at least this year we had, last year we had somewhere between 10 and 15 people profess salvation. We had 27 baptized. Praise the Lord for that. This next year, my, my prayer is, God, could we see at least 52 saved and baptized this year because of Calvary? One per week on an average, of people coming to Jesus and then just see that grow until one day, one year, we step and say, God saved one person a day because of the ministry of Calvary. Because church, that's what we're to be. Our goal is to see people come to know Jesus and he has put us here in this community to make that happen. Let me remind you two other things and then I'll get, I'll get practical thoughts. Here's what Jesus said. While I am in the world, John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm here, and while I'm here, I am lighting up the world. That's fantastic, Jesus, but we know that. Just like we said before, Jesus physically left. Now, we know the Spirit is here. We get that, but physically he left. So does that mean the light left with him? No. Where is the light now? 
Look at what he said to his disciples, Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, do you get it? Are, do we, are we clear? Anybody got any questions? We are to have an outward focus. Our goal is to, to strengthen one another with inner strength. That's in. But God wants us also to remember that outside these walls and even within our building, there are people who need to know Jesus, and we have to have a heart for that and a desire because we are the light of the world. We are the body of Christ. We've got that opportunity and that privilege to do what God has called us. So let me just talk about a couple things about turning our chairs around, what that looks like practically for us. I'll start with this. Our weekend services are one of the most practical ways that we can make this happen, church. Just what we do right here on a Sunday morning, when we, we go back to two services next week, that's one of our greatest opportunities. Now, there are a couple of thoughts about that. One is some people say, well, who is a church service really for? Is it for the lost people or is it for believers? And there's this whole big theological disagreement. Some believe it's, it's just for believers, and if an unbeliever comes in, well, they're, they're welcome, but it's really not for them. And then other people believe it's just for unbelievers or seekers, so the believers just kind of come and set in the side and, and encourage them. You know what? In the New Testament, we have very few examples of church services. But I do know in almost every one, you see a mixture of both lost people and saved people. So here's my answer to that. What, who is the church for? Lost people or saved people? Yes. <laughs> That's the answer. It's for both of us. It is a place where some people may take that step to come where they can hear the truth where they wouldn't take another. So let's take that opportunity. Not everyone will come, and so we'll talk about that in a minute. But if they will, what an opportunity. I, here's what I promise you. If, they, if you bring a friend to this church, I will, I will always preach the truth. I'm never going to fudge on the Bible. I promise you that. That will always be clear. But I am also learning and trying to grow where I don't use Christianese. You know what that is? That's the language that a bunch of churches all kind of came up with, and we use words that people come in from that are lost and go, what in the world are you talking about? And we're talking about things that they don't get. My goal is to make it where everybody can understand it, but it never, ever devalues the fact that this is God's truth. It may not be very comfortable sometimes to hear God's truth, but that it will be given. I promise you, and I also promise you, you bring someone here every Sunday, I will share with them in some form or fashion that Jesus died for them, rose again, and they can have eternal life through him. I promise you that. So what a great opportunity. But with that in mind, if it's for everybody, we're going to make it practical truth. So you come as a believer, I promise you our goal is to help you learn. You come as an unbeliever, you hopefully you're going to get to see Jesus. But here's another thought, and that is just the atmosphere that we come here with. You understand that the atmosphere is critically important, that when you come in here and we invite a guest, and you're going to go out and invite a friend to come, that when they come in, they feel like we're glad that they're here. And, and that's a word that I want to use from now on. I, we're not going to call them visitors. visitors are, a visitor goes to a museum. <laughs> we're calling them guests because we've invited them here as our guests. And when you have a guest into your home, you take care of them. You don't just hope that they find the bathroom. You don't just, just come in and, and open the door and let them have a seat unless, you're, unless they're a relative. I get that. But at most guests, you take care of. You take special care of. So when a guest walks through our door, we have great people that do our, our greeting and all of that, and, and I praise the Lord for our first impressions ministry. You guys do a great job. I really do. But you understand, every member in this church is in the guest services business. Every person in this church ought to find and make sure. I'm not talking going to attack a visitor and make them just make, but make sure they feel like we were, we were ready for them to be here and we're glad that they came. And we do whatever we can to make this atmosphere away. I not only believe they're guests, I believe they're gifts. 
I believe every time a guest walks through the door, God has given us a gift, and we need to care for that gift and make sure that we're glad that they're here, and we do whatever we can to make. Uh, you've all seen Beauty and the Beast, right? Be our guest, be our, right? That should be our theme song. You come in here, you should feel like we're glad that you arrived, and we want you to, to be happy that you are here. We want you to hear the message, take down any walls. So what can we do to make this happen? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Members, invite someone to church with you, at least one person every Sunday. Is that too hard to ask? Every week, find someone. And I'm not talking about someone that goes to a church across town. We're not, I'm, that, if they want to come here, that's great, but we're not into swapping sheep. We're talking about seeing people that do not go to church come to a church. So fight someone in your work or your neighborhood, one a week. It may take you inviting them 20 or 40 times before they'll come. So that may be one person for 20 weeks, but invite somebody every week to come with you to church. When they get here, treat them as if you're glad that they're here. Welcome them. Scoot over to the middle so they can have the aisle seats. Oh, boy, I stepped into it that time, didn't I? If you're here first, go to the middle for crying out loud because the people who come in late, visitors don't want to have to look for a seat because they won't come back. That's why we're, having, we're going to two services. I know we love, we love being together. This is a wonderful atmosphere together. But do you realize visitors won't come back if they can't find a seat? Statistics tell us that if the, if the room is more than 70% full, people that were guests will not come back. This is, this is up to about 90% right now. So what we're, two services are because we want to turn our chairs around and reach as many people as we can for Jesus. Does that make sense? And so let's do what we can to make them feel welcome. And then we're going to follow up afterwards. We're going to make sure they know that we're glad that they were here. Then we're going to hope that they fill out a connection card. If you bring a friend, encourage them to fill out a card. Oh, but here's one thing that would help. You fill out your card first. Because if they see you filling out a card, they're not going to feel awkward to fill theirs out. Does that make sense? I'm being as practical as I can, church. We are to turn our chairs around, and a church service is one of the best ways we could do it. Let me just give you a couple other thoughts. We're going to have sermon series that will help. The story is a great way. We're going to start that next week. We're going to dive into the, the life of Solomon, and we're going to continue the Old Testament into the New Testament. What a great way. Some people have never studied the Bible. This is a great tool, but we're going to do different series. We're going to have some big days, including Easter and other things, some special Sundays. Use this service as a way to help somebody come to Jesus. Other things that we'll do throughout the year besides services, we have special events. And here's one thing we forget as a church. Special events are a great way for us to love on each other, and we're all going to have fun. But what a great way to invite someone who doesn't really go to church to come and see that Christians are as crazy as we think they are. Because we are. We're just people. And sometimes they get this impression that they're going to come into this stuffy place. What a way. We sat in a comedian last year, sat in this auditorium, and laughed our heads off. Because Christians can laugh. You really can. It's, it's okay. You can even laugh in church, believe it or not. It's really cool. But some people don't think we do that. We come together and, and we've, we've become sanctified and holy. We don't understand. Bring them to events. Bring them to a picnic. Bring them to a dinner. They're always welcome. You invite them. Do the special the, things like that. But here's something else. When we're going to do our best to meet even needs outside of our church, we have a thing we call CLTBs, which means Calvary leaving the building. And the goal of that is simply to share God's love in a practical way with people with no strings attached. Just to say, we're doing this because we love you. And we're going to do that throughout the year. In fact, uh, on January 31st, we're going to go to Casey's down here in Park. We're going to give away coffee and donuts. And they get a little sleeve, and on the back of it, it's got our name, but it also says, because God loves you and so do we. That's all it's about. 
not asking for anything. We just want them to know that Calvary cares about them. And, and we're going to do things like that throughout the year. But even meeting other needs, because the church, remember, it's not just about what we do in here. We've got to get outside these walls turn our chairs around, and make a difference. You can sign up today in the back if you'd like so that you can be one of those that come on the team and just help us do what God has called us to do. But I also got to challenge you, you got to share your own faith. That starts by living a life that would, pull, that would draw people to Jesus. And then after you do that, you pray for them and you love them and you make sure they know that Jesus loves them first, but then you also share your story. Invite them to church. Get them to, to understand that this is important. And then we even in our church, we turn our chairs around by going on missions trips, by supporting missionaries around the world, by doing projects. All of that is helping us, folks, to remember that our chairs have to be looking outward as well as it strengthens us inward. Three words I said, in, out, and up. Let me close with this. The church is made to have an upward hope. That same passage we started with, Ephesians chapter 1, right before we read about the church, here's what he said to the church, that, they, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Church, we have to live like what we believe is we have hope. You see, what this is saying to the church people is this, that you realize we can't do this with the, on our own. He, there, but there is a power within us, an incomparably great power that can do what God has called us, and that's our hope. That when we feel like we can't do this, it seems overwhelming. The hope is that we have a power that can do this in our life. But that's all leading us to one great hope, and that is that because of Jesus Christ, I not only wish, I have an absolute assurance that when this body stops breathing, that I will see my Savior face to face. That's hope. And there are people around you who need this hope. There are people right here in this room who need to know that there is hope, that you know that Christ is your Savior, that you know that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven, that you know that Jesus, that God is your Father. That's hope. And the church needs to live with that kind of hope. We, we, we strengthen ourselves inwardly. We look at the world outwardly, but then we look up and we say, God is our hope. And we share that with the world around us. So let me remind you. The church was made to have inner strength, an outward focus, and an upward hope. That's what the body is supposed to look like. Now let's think about that this morning. What step does that mean for you? For some of you this morning, it's about knowing the hope of Jesus Christ. Maybe you came here today and even through watching the baptisms, you realize that that that's something that you need to know that you know Christ and know this hope. Let me tell you this. Jesus brought you here for that reason. He wants you to know that even though you're a sinner, he loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And Jesus died but didn't stay dead. He rose again with power to give you hope and eternal life. And he said all you have to do is receive that gift. To confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead and you can be saved. God wants you to know that hope. Do you know that? Maybe that's what God has said to you. Maybe you are a, a uh, active part of this church. What, what is God saying to you? What part, step do you need to take? What do you need to do to, to grow as, as a disciple and to help others grow around you? Or maybe you're not an active part of a church. Maybe you're a follower of Christ, but you're not an active part. And whether it's this church or another, do you understand that God is intended for you 
to be strengthened and to work together to make a difference through the church that he has designed. So maybe today your step would to become a part of a church or to become, begin serving or to lead a group or, what, or to get in a group or what is it that God has said to you today. Let's bow our heads. Father, as we bring not only this service but even the thoughts of this series to a close, I, I still think you've made it so clear to us that this journey is just a step-by-step, one-step-at-a-time journey. So Father, help us to realize that And I pray that this morning, your spirit is making it clear to some what their step would be. We had two two young people make the step of baptism. What a great step of obedience and faith. Thank you for that. There are others who maybe need to make that step. Or there are some in this room who need to say, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I want to be a follower of yours. And today becomes their day of salvation. And I know you're speaking to members and others. Help us to listen, not to shut this voice out, but to listen and to take what other steps you've called us to take. We love you, Father. And I pray that this will be one of those services again where people just commit and they turn to you to take the step that you want them to take. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I encourage you to consider everything we've talked about today. And then just make it very practical. What what is the step God's talking to me about today. What does that look like? So spend some time right where you're seated maybe praying to him. But there are some that I think God is saying, I'd like you to take a step. And that might be coming here and praying here at the front. If you'd like someone to pray with you, I'd be glad to have someone pray with you. Or you want to know Jesus as your Savior, we'd love to show you that. Maybe that's your step. Maybe you just need to grab a friend by the hand or your spouse or some of your family and just just pray together and say, God, we are committing to take whatever step you called us to take. As Chris begins to sing in just a moment, let's let's just do what God has called us to do today. Spend some time making that real in our hearts and lives today. So as the music continues, what is God speaking to you to about today?